TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. What would you do with 41 acres in Mesa, Arizona? That question and others potentially to be discussed here on Sabres Live. Now, that's not because either of us won the lottery last night and have money to burn on locations all across the country, but real estate is usually a good play. And the Coyotes, Marty, might be getting deeper and deeper into the game once again. They're not settling on 41 acres in Mesa. They're going to make sure they have multiple areas of land to give them options, hopefully by the first quarter of 2024 and stay on track to build that brand new home in the desert. Well, they need it. Obviously they're not going to play at the mullet arena for long. Uh, the commissioner Batman and the league is not going to accept that, especially when they want to push the revenues up. Uh, it's fine temporary home right now, but they're not going to stay there. Um, that's number one. Number two, um, yes, so this is what we're talking about on August 9th right now, is that the lead story on NHL.com and basically across the NHL is that not even a purchasing of land, Duffer, it's a letter of intent. It's like the purchase. intent to blow the whistle. Exactly. It's like, well, what's the rule there? Like, could you send multiple letter of intents to all vacant land around the area of Tempe, Arizona? Because Mesa is right off of Tempe, so and Scottsdale, so that's where they want to be. So I'm sending, I'm sending today multiple letters of intent. Uh, we'll see if anybody bites on it. But you just said intense, which makes me think of the intense. Brian Burke, Bobby Ryan thing, which was not intense. Oh, remember yeah. the whole that like lacked intensity and then well arizona lacks intensity because they weren't able to get the deal done with tempe they got out uh politics i guess it's what it is like it's basically they thought they had it wrapped around and they were good and boom it just went away so now it's a uh yeah the intent uh of the arizona coyotes is to buy more land off Tempe and Mesa and mm-hmm. see where that goes. Wasn't really the lead story. Just thought we'd have a little fun with it. And obviously not super relevant given the fact that in these teams of the day that we're rolling through in this month of August, we've already blown past Arizona. We are on to Dallas and Detroit today. What exciting opponents. What images of saber years gone by these teams muster up. I promise we're not going to talk about 1999 there's no point unless of course the crew has found james patrick ringing one off the crossbar in game six in overtime which 
could have changed it. Anyway, not going to talk about it. Um, so we'll go down memory lane with you personally. Um, and I will say this, there, there is a fairly large chunk of optimum results against the Red Wings in recent history. Now we went through a 20 plus year period where we couldn't say that at all. Now, most yeah. of the league also went through that because nobody could beat the wings for the better part of 90. It was annoying. Through. It, yeah, was annoying. it was annoying, but I'll give you some good numbers on that. But you know what, actually, Marty, you know what I was um, looking back on this morning as we got ready to dive into Sabres live on the heels of yet another, and you're going to be doing it next Monday. And we'll probably be doing it the Monday after that golf tournaments, right? Like the yes. Kevin guest house one I was at, well, like, what do you think the prevailing topic was optimism, right? Like yes. people are, why are people excited about the team? Okay. So I started diving back into the season, looking at that window from November 22nd to January 28th. So that's for more than two months, right? Mm-hmm. Over that period of time, the Buffalo Sabres were fifth in points accumulated. Boston was first, Carolina, Toronto, Tampa, the Sabres, and Capitals. Okay. Now, okay. what do you think what do you think of when I just give you that list? Uh week schedule? All no, all in the East. Oh yeah. So why do people believe? that when they latched on to Buffalo's best stretch of the year, why do people automatically think that Tampa's going to disappear, that Washington's going to disappear, that now Pittsburgh is going to disappear after adding Carl? You know what I mean? Like, there's a reality to this. And this is not quashing optimism. This is painting the picture that all these teams are capable of these prolonged stretches of good play. And, so, and it should be. It's the NHL. You should exactly. be able to surprise and play and compete. <laughs> Don Granado's famous words. We expect to win every night. We prepare yes. to win every night. It's not like, oh, we got three and four. We hope to yes. win two. Like, that's impossible. You're not in the NHL if you think that way. And the right. Washington Capitals want to compete. And the Flyers want to compete. And the Arizona Coyotes, for all that they've gone through, they want to compete. And even here in Buffalo with some tough years, the team, yeah. the coaching staff, they wanted to compete. They wanted to win. That's what it comes down to. And that's what I loved about it was the reality is, okay, you're sitting there going, hey, the Sabres had this stretch of 19, 8, and 4. They put themselves in the conversation with the best teams in the league, regardless of whether it was Eastern-based. or I mean, this just shows how competitive that run of play was. And it also ties in with the fact, the reason I kind of went down this rabbit hole or just, you know, brief memory lane from this last year was we are going to be talking about Dallas yeah. and Detroit later. And Dallas was a big part of that run of good play. They had the Western trip where they used three different goalies and got three different wins. Yes. And the Dallas game was a milestone marker for Craig Anderson. It was a breakout for Owen power floodgates, quite frankly. Floodgates. And you know, like, so there, there are always these little moments, pockets within the schedule where you, you know, you recognize the the good play of the team and what ultimately made it successful. So, so we'll dive into that a little bit later on. Um, and Detroit's story is is one that is very similar to the Sabres, along with the Senators. You've got three of these teams from the Atlantic Division just trying to knock down the door and actually get back into the playoff discussion. So Dallas can and I, Detroit. Um, can I yeah. tell a quick off-ice story? Because you as you're talking about Detroit, permission. as you were talking about Detroit, I put my hand on my head and I was, oh my goodness, I remember a trip to Detroit where I got called up from Rochester. And as I arrived to Detroit, Rip Simonic, 
longtime equipment manager for the Sabres from the beginning all the way until a few year, just a few years ago, um, had been taken to the hospital with kidney stones. And, um, you know, so guys come in and there's nobody really to, to, to get the skates. Rip had already set up the skate machine, the skate sharpening machine, like he said to George and the, the, the crew. You get this guy done first and then you get this skate and then you readjust it. You get this skate, this skate, this skate. Well, in warm-up, one of the players, I think it was Dixon Ward, came off the ice with a bad skate. So they had to redo the, the whole dressing of the stone and all of that. Mike Ramsey was an assistant coach on the team. Guys were falling all over the place. He said, get out of my way. Let me take over the skate sharpening machine because he owned the pro shop in Minnesota. So your assistant coach is in the room <laughs> sharpening skates while Rip is in the hospital with some, I think it was kidney stones or something like that. But I still remember being on the bench thinking, this is a complete, you know what, like mm -hmm. crap show. Mm -hmm. Like the coach is in the room. The, the, the trainers can't get it done. The players are falling everywhere. And it was all in Detroit. In the Joe Louis Arena, I miss that place. Not that I had much success there, but it was a fun building too. And I, I wanted to make sure I tell that story because I know Rip listens to the show. And it was without him, nothing got done. Like it just was simple. Without Rip, nothing got done. George is great. And the rest of the staff was great. But Rip was the, the, the headmaster chef and nothing got done without him. Detroit and Dallas are teams of the day in focus a little bit later on, but maybe sooner than later because there really isn't a lot of other stuff. Yeah. stuff to get to um so yesterday we uh we landed on a couple of names some of the so much of this is yes. unintentional that's why it's actually hilarious that it then leads to other things so i i was a little bit fixated on a tangent on sean couturier uh we dropped the elias lindholm name um and it was more from the the position of the boston bruins where we were sitting there going look the bruins are not likely to sit idly by and not add someone or something. And again, yes, cap considerations are are needed here. But um, remember, everybody throws everybody a lifeline, so yeah. somebody will undoubtedly help the Bruins. But anyway, whether they go after Couturier or whether they go after Lindholm, um, we were appropriately asked uh, late in the show on Twitter, like, uh, why not Lindholm for the Sabres? So you you were kind of anti the whole discussion in the sense of it's pie in the sky, it's fantasy, it's not going to happen, whatever, whatever. But mm -hmm. the reality is, is Lindholm is one of those centermen that is on an expiring contract, is a 60-plus point producer, can be higher than that, depending on line mates and overall team success. Um, and he's kind of in that Calgary window of like, eh, not really committed to the long term just yet. Now, I know you touched on that part of it, but specifically from a Sabre standpoint, like, would Lindholm interest you in any way? Okay, well, I thought about that yesterday, throughout the day, when you mentioned Couturier um, and uh, you mentioned Lindholm. And so the biggest question for me, because my answer is always no, I don't want to center. I have Tage, I have Dylan Cousins, right? I have one and two. I'm good. Those guys are not number three. They're not a three a three C on anybody's team. They're top two uh, lines. They're going to get paid that way. They, that's where they want to be. My question is, I know my answer. My, my question is, would you move Tage back to the wing? And if you are one that says, 
I could move Tage back to the wing to have Elias Lindholm in the middle with Tage and Tuck or with Tage and Skinner. And then you move Tuck with Cousins and, and Quinn or Paterka. And then you move one of them on the third line. Mm-hmm. And okay, I could see your argument. I could see, okay, like Tage moving back to the wing. He had his breakout season as a center, but maybe you can utilize him in a different way. And maybe he plays some center and then he moves back to the wing. There's a an added uh, component here. I'm not in that camp. I think Tage showed what he can do in the middle of the ice, how it unlocked himself mm-hmm. and how successful it can be. So I am a Tage Thompson first center, Dylan Cousins second center, and then find somebody to play 3C. That's, you know, maybe it's Casey Middlestat, maybe it's somebody else, but that's more where I'm going with that as opposed to looking at the big pie-in-the-sky fantasy world of Lindholm and Couturier and whoever else you may be thinking for a top center. Who's more likely to play more games at wing this year, Middlestat or Thompson? Middlestat. Hmm. Does that make probably sense? Right. Yeah, you're probably because right. Because I think that if you want to give Middlestat top, top six. I mean, minutes, I hope you're right in the sense that I really don't <laughs> – I'm like you. I don't really need to see Tage on the wing. I I know it was forced out of necessity, and it actually was okay. I mean, he he wasn't 100 percent healthy. It was easier to put him on the wing with Cousins, you know, and and ultimately Middlestat then yeah. proved that he was capable, um, which the coach never doubted. Um, but yeah, it I, I don't know this whole like it's like when you're trying to search players by position, and then you go, oh, wait a minute, he's not a full time center. Or he's not a full-time winger. Like, it's better to just leave it wide open as forwards, right? Even because... doing the research this morning as who are the centers available past this year, right? Yeah. I'm like, okay, but is there somebody else that could maybe play wing center that could move well, into mean, that position? Yeah. You know what's funny? <laughs> like, so my obvious jumping into the conversation is Chandler Stevenson, right? But Vegas is never getting rid of Chandler. Like he's going to be the next guy given an extension. He's, he's overperformed now for years, ever since he got to Vegas and Washington, what were you doing? Well, no, they had to, I mean, they did what they had to do. They'd already won. He won with them. Like these are costs of doing business. That's okay. And it's exactly why you go through development with players you learn about them, you know about them. And when opportunity may present itself later, you trust those players. And that's what George McPhee did with Vegas. He knew him from Washington. So he brought him in and it just so happened that the Golden Knights were a very good team, uh, needed a little bit extra. And even then it was a slow build to recognize that, you know what, this guy can actually handle it. And even when he handled it, they still went out and got Jack Eichel. Yeah, <laughs> And then in the midst of last year, when Jack was struggling, who was the savior Chandler Stevenson, because he can, he can play any role you want. Okay. Well, let so. me ask you this because your dream of seeing maybe a player like Chandler Stevenson or others that you watch every night, right? Either late at night after a Sabres game or on the off day, you'll be scanning the league and you have your favorite players and Chandler Stevenson is definitely one of them. So when I look at the cap situation with Vegas, they have probably 15 to 17 million dollars to spend next summer. Okay. But they have six players coming off the books here that they have to resign as UFA. One of them is Jonathan Marcheseau, Chandler Stevenson, Will Carrier, Michael Amadio, Shea, uh, uh, Alec Martinez, and Ben Hutton. So 
Marsha, so is a lock, right? They're not letting them walk as a UFA. You wouldn't have said that about Riley Smith after they signed him at the start of the year to a new deal when nobody thought it was coming. So it's hard to say. Vegas does things their own way. That they we do know. things their own way. But I'm saying as between Chandler Stevenson and Will Carrier, if you had to pick between one of them, if you're Vegas, who do you pick? Well, they're going to give Chandler his money. He's been under three the whole time. Yeah, he's exactly. going to get He's going to get over five, which is probably still, he's never going to get fully caught up, I don't think. <laughs> but he's he not is gonna going to be made to, whole. <laughs> yeah, made whole. That's the one. Oh my gosh. Thank you for the 0405 uh, lockout reference and the 1213 oh, lockout yeah. reference. And no, that yeah. was more the 1213. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. you guys will yeah, be yeah. made whole. I was yeah. like, what does that mean? But okay. So if Marcia so gets seven <laughs> and a half, that would have been a Stevenson that been a great five, that's 12-5. Yeah, made yeah. whole. They're going to make all, oh, well, they, Marcia so has been underpaid too. So they, they're going to make uh, both, both Marcia so and Chandler Stevenson whole at, on the next contract. I think Martinez will move and that frees yes. up a lot of the money. And, but yeah, hey, if you're opening the door for Will Carrier to find another home, uh, bring him home. Bring him home, right? I know you'd take him. I know a lot of teams would take him. He's I a good so. utility player, bottom six, and works well. Another thing to do with the Flames is we started with Lindholm here and then um, segued to Stevenson, if you will, um, is the Carlson deal being done to Pittsburgh an opportunity now for Calgary to be at the front end of another trade talking point being Noah Hannafin? And how come we haven't mentioned him in a while and who should be super interested in Hannafin? whether it be Buffalo or someone else? Well, um, I think that there is possibly still a couple of candidates out there when it comes to defense. Noah Hennepin is one. Brett Pesci is another one. Obviously, with the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, you know, looking to get a new deal or they're mm-hmm. going to have to move on from Pesci at some point. Uh, there is a lot of teams for me, but those are under... I don't want to call them underperforming teams, but I look again at the Montreal Canadiens bringing Jeff Petrie back into the fold uh, and they've made deals with the Calgary Flames in the past. So again, I think that those somehow all the players are coming out East, all the players available, all the, the names that are available, I think are finding their way out East. And I think if Noah Hannafin gets traded, it's to come out East. It would be, to a possibly a Philadelphia Flyers, it would be to a Montreal Canadiens, it would be to a Detroit Red Wings, possibly. That is what I think uh, when I think of Noel Hennepin being moved uh, from the Calgary Flames. Well, that's an interesting one mentioning Montreal. Um, obviously, they already have some veterans there. Half their defense corps is, is definitely of the elder statesman variety. But as we learned last year, they also have a lot of very good, promising young defensemen. Yes. So if Calgary is going to move off of Hannafin, they might best be served trying to take the best of the bunch from, from Montreal's young D. Quite frankly, yeah, they got Caden Gooley. Obviously, we knew Brendan. Well, they're not Gooley. trading him, but they're I was trading thinking, him, but yeah. they got Harbor Jack. I, I don't think they're trading him either, unless no. they think that he gets great remember, value. We, remember that for one night we bring? had the Montreal game? There was like six defensemen under twenty-two yeah. or something. Harris, Jordan Harris. Yeah, they've got a lot of young defensemen, and maybe yeah. that's a middle of the the pack kind of prospect that like a Jordan Harris or whatnot, mm-hmm. that would be on the uh, way out. Um, Calgary may, may look at that as a, 
as a as a way to get their back end a little younger. But no Hennepin for me um is still a top end defenseman, just as not really I mean, maybe it's Calgary. I mean, I read a headline today, Kadri uh happy with a reset, right? And moving forward. Like at Superdo, it's Kadri. They traded um Johnny Goodrow. Uh, they 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 lost Johnny Goodrow to UFA. They traded Matthew Kachuk. Like there's been a lot of underperforming players this year that have a, a bounce back season for sure in them. Yeah, I, I think you paraphrased uh, a little differently than what the NHL.com headline what, what was. What was it actually? The... Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to misrepresent the Kadri camp. Kadri uh, Flames ready for, ready for clean, clean slate. slate. <laughs> clean slate. He's ready okay, to be uh, making uh, the Flames whole on their contract that they gave him last it's year. It's almost as funny as reading that Matt Dumma is now locked in and ready to be an impact guy with Arizona this year. Yes. <laughs> so needless to say, I didn't bring it up. Anyway, we'll watch with great interest what Calgary does. They're, they're, they're a team that uh, seems to be uh, in transition uh, of sorts. Obviously, coach, GM, and exodus, if you will, to a certain extent of some star power here in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Marty, we've held off long enough. We're 20 minutes into the show. Our teams of the day are Dallas and Detroit. So why don't we dive in with your first? I also think there's going to be some really dumb and hopefully hilarious stories related to both these teams and Sabres and or personal history still to come in the show. But uh, your personal connection with Dallas is quite stunning, correct? It is quite stunning because it was the team that I beat to earn my first NHL win on March 5th, 1999. So Duffer, I got called up from Rochester and um, I remember a few of my buddies from Quebec City drove all the way to Buffalo for that game. And yes, Wayne Primo scores the first goal of the game, one nothing. Uh, I made, I believe I made 27 saves on 28 shots. I'd have to go back and look at the, I don't have the game sheet in front of me. But uh, yeah, my first NHL win against the Dallas Stars. And I remember before the game, I'm sitting in my stall in the locker room right after warm-up. I had a terrible warm-up. Pucks were going in left and right. Even Rob Ray scored a couple of goals. And I remember sitting there and Razor, the room is quiet. We're playing the mighty Dallas Stars and I'm the goalie, right? And Razor looks over to me, goes, Marty, don't worry if you give up five or six tonight. You recovered pretty nicely from your first NHL game against the Penguins. So you'll recover from that one as, uh, also. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like big trunk, like lump in my throat, right? <laughs> like Rob Ray is, is taking jabs at me. I'm about ready to play an NHL game. And sure enough, we won two to one. And uh, my buddies were there. We went out after. And then there was a snowstorm. A March snowstorm that my buddy were stuck in Buffalo. So what did they go do? Two days later, they came to the Flyers game when we tied one to one. So in those two games, I was one zero and one, giving up two goals. I had a pretty nice week here in Buffalo. Why is Pex got the helmet off in the celebration? There was a looked like he didn't even end. play. His hair was dry. Yeah, there was a scrum <laughs> at the end. I think he was basically on the bench without his helmet on and. Uh, he's he got the JJ nice Paterka little, going. He I had heard, the Bob. He had a little Bob Paterka sitting on the bench after he scored. And he's just like, Oh, period's ending. I'm going to keep my helmet off here. Yeah. So, um, but uh, that my first NHL win. I mean, that was, I have a picture of, uh, the moment Bill Whipper took a picture of me in the locker room after the game with the puck. Uh, you know, you could see I was sitting in Dom's stall because the nail clippers were on uh, Velcro to the stall. Dom always had the nail clipper right there. 
but well, yeah, first one thing I've learned about you is you don't need nail clippers. No, I, I, well, I do because when you bite your nails, sometimes you get sharp edges and you get you need to trim them up. But when, uh, when you know, when you look NHL at the win, Duffer, first NHL win, big one, congrats, and all part of a more than 500 game career. When you look at that footage, what was the one thing that stands out? Doesn't have to be game related. No, I, I look like I'm 110 pounds. Like my jersey was so small um, because that year they cracked down on the big jerseys that goalies were in the years prior, right? Dominic Ashik, big jersey. Patrick Wah, big jersey. No, they didn't, Marty, because when Patrick won the cup in 01, his jersey was still freaking huge. Mm, Come on. Not as big. They they did a lot of crackdown. It wasn't yeah. as big um, because I remember like Dom in the years prior, like it was basically a parachute. Uh, but yeah, so my jersey, they had stitched the sleeves in, but mm-hmm. what happened is they didn't cut the fabric inside the sleeve, right? So it made it even bulk, like not bulkier, tighter. So mm. it felt really tight. Uh, my equipment was about as tiny as it comes. Like my pads, like they were supposed to be 32 in, uh, 32, 12 inch across, right? Mm-hmm. And they were so beat up from the year in Rochester. They were like literally 10 and a half inch across. <laughs> they were only 34 inch tall, like, and they were so beaten down. Um, yeah, that's what I look at. I look like I was a very mm. small, tiny little goaltender. My gear really was was not fitting the body. So having said that, and the old adage about making a first impression, is that why everyone to this day comes up to you and says, geez, you're bigger than I thought. Yes. Well, I, I, well, I, I never had the big. Oh, Marty. Gear. Like even, oh, spe- Spalding Lake Wi-Fi, Spalding Lake Wi-Fi at 1227, 1226, 1225, whatever. Um, I never had the big gear. Like Ryan Miller, he wore big gear. Like his pants, his chest and arm, everything was yeah. baggy big. And mm-hmm. if you look at Milzy and Nat, you're like, he's a big goaltender. There's a lot of those guys, like Martin Gerber. Remember Martin Gerber with Ottawa and Carolina? Like, he was Yeah, because Cam Warden and him shared pants. Basically, like they, they, they were sharing a big leg. It was, yeah. it was ridiculous. Yeah, they were huge. So there was guys that were huge. I never wore the big, big gear. My gear was a good size. It moved well. That was a strength of mine. Uh, but, yeah, there was guys out there that wore the big, big gear, and you could tell. I'm glad we were able to start with a positive memory against Dallas. That's a rare exception in these parts, and you'll be uh, discussing more, undoubtedly, your time, Sabres time, against both the Stars and the Wings. Dallas and Detroit are our teams of the day here on Sabres Live. Let me just say, the Dallas stuff, quite frankly, is pretty boring. (laughs) Like, it's been a very... A low-scoring, uneventful history in regular season play against these two teams. Here's the editor's note. Miro Shatan is the all-time leading point-getter as a Sabre against Dallas. He has nine points in 11 games. That is so boring. That's awful. Anyway, on that note, (laughs) we're going to shift to better times with the, a more offensive team, which is the current version of the Buffalo Sabres and their emerging prospects, which, of course, will be on display this September, both at Key Bank, but, of course, at Lecom Harbor Center, Prospects Challenge will feature six teams between the 15th and the 18th of the month. Of course, FanFest is going to be happening that weekend as well. Uh, schedule for these six 
team tournament is on your screen now at MSG. And this is important. Tickets for the event are on sale now. For weeks, we've been telling you it'll happen in August. It'll happen in August. Well, we're nicely into August. And Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. $10 tickets are on sale now. So check it all out. Sabres.com. Hope to see you at the Prospects Challenge. And of course, during Sabres Fan Fest. We'll continue uh scouring for more nhl news <laughs> and definitely do a deeper dive into dallas and detroit our teams of the day next on sabers live we're back with more of sabers live presented by seneca resorts and casinos nothing else comes close Rolling along here on a Wednesday on Sabres Live. We're uh, talking Dallas and Detroit as our teams of the day with Marty. I'm Brian. Marty, did you know that one of my first ever trips to Dallas with the Sabres afforded me a spontaneous concert opportunity? I was just hungry for live music. Shocker, yes. right? So as we're flying in, I'm looking up on the plane and it's like uh, J.D. McPherson at the Granada Theater. And I'm like, eh, don't know of him. Never been. Sounds like fun. It was outstanding. Dragged a couple of uh, co-workers that typically, uh, you know, wouldn't have been as spontaneous. So I managed to uh, win on that front. Guess who's in Buffalo tomorrow? Them? J.D. McPherson. And I'm going yeah. to see him at Sportsman's Park. It'll be the first time since seeing him in Dallas in 2015. So see how it all comes together here on this, uh, you know, Dallas and Detroit uh, teams of the day. Um, you talk about Dallas. Um, yes. I'll tell you this. I remember being in Dallas when um, in 2010, so the 09-10 season, I was with the New York Islanders, and the national championship was Alabama-Texas for the college football like national champion game. And I was with Caloposo and a few others. Matt Molson was there, John Tavares. We decided to go to a little place. to Let's go to a place in Dallas and watch the game not realizing it's Alabama, Texas. And the whole state of Texas seemed to be filled in this place that we were in. Like you couldn't walk, Duffer. When I say you couldn't walk, 
you absolutely could not walk. If you order something from the bar, they pass it on from people to pass it out to you. Like you couldn't get to the bar. That's mm-hmm. how packed and that's how much they love their college football, obviously down in Texas. Sabres 17-23 in one lifetime regular season play against Dallas. That does not include North Star references. They are 3-3 three and three in the last three seasons, so perhaps times are changing, and maybe for this kid too, Owen Power, because obviously youth has to be served for this group, and Owen um, scored a thing of beauty, an overtime tally to open the floodgates and give Craig Anderson a milestone win this year. Well, you kept asking me pregame after pregame after pregame, when and if Owen Power gets his first goal, will it open the floodgates? And I kept saying, I don't think so. And then and then, then this goal goes in. He's on the back door. What a nice pass, right? To find him to the back door, three-on-three overtime, game-winning goal. And the next game, he scored again. So now... And then the next game. And then the next game, everybody's yelling floodgates, floodgates in the control room because those were all road games. Uh, It was awesome. But yes, Owen Power getting his first of the year, a big one. His celebration was amazing. Like a kid that just scored the the, the last goal, right? Like you're in the street and your mom calls you in for dinner and you're like, wait, wait, one more goal. Last goal win, last goal win. And then Owen Power scores and he's like, okay, now I'm going to dinner. So that's literally how the reaction was for Owen Power was awesome. Goals in consecutive games against Dallas, St. Louis, and Winnipeg. And that was a memorable part of Owen Powers' first full season in the NHL. Okay, on to Detroit as one of our other teams of the day. Now, (laughs) this, as we referenced right off the top, like Buffalo was not alone is in its misery against Detroit. Like you have to rewind to... 94-95. Wings were really good, went all the way to the final, got blown out in the final by New Jersey, swept. Then the next year, they set a regular season record and and then bowed out early. But this was all the starting of the Red Wings dynasty, basically. 97 Mm -hmm. they won, 98 they won, could have, should have won in 99 when they loaded up. Uh, Won again in 02, went to the back-to-back finals in 08-09 against Pittsburgh, taking one of those. So we know how good they were. (laughs) Here's the context. Buffalo from 95 to 2016 had six wins in 37 games against Be careful, Detroit. be careful, six. Duffer. I know, I know. Writing out I know, the bad I, stuff in I, teams will get I you know. suspended, um, <laughs> i.e. the Orioles, uh, the Baltimore Orioles, Kevin Brown, be careful. But let, let me say this. Like <laughs> most teams, Buffalo has had an improved record during this run of futility for Detroit where yes. they've missed the playoffs seven years in a row. In fact... Buffalo has points in 21 of the last 24, and they have points in 15 of the last 16 head-to-head meetings with this division rival going 10-1-5. and And who could forget the pregame prediction and or not prediction, the pregame question about who's the all-time leading scorer on Halloween Halloween in a game when we, of course, learned that it was Wayne Gretzky. But Tage Thompson did his level best this year to show us that it's not all about Wayne and his scary play on Halloween. Tage Thompson delivered one of the most epic home ice performances we've ever seen with three goals, three assists in a Sabre win over Detroit. 
And, and his goals were just unbelievable. One was that one-timer, the quick shot into the slot coming in, a nice little toe drag, and obviously the hands, right? When he decides to walk around Alex Nedeljkovic one time, two time, and then he puts it in the net was just unreal. Um, so, yeah, those were great, great times for the Sabres and their fans here at, uh, at KeyBank Center. Uh, but more importantly... When you think of Detroit, yes, you think of the success that they had, but you also think of them right now being one of those teams that we compare with Buffalo and the Ottawa Senators, teams that mm -hmm. have been rebuilding and, and making their way up. So I think that we will be talking about Detroit a ton again this year and in the upcoming years with Buffalo and the Ottawa Senators. But incredibly, amidst those challenging times, Buffalo against Detroit, and only six wins in 37 attempts. One of them just happened to come against the legend when he returned, the great Dominic Hasek, right? His first game back in Buffalo after the trade was on March the 10th, 2002. So he, he spent most of the season in Detroit, had a really good year in Detroit. And then later in the year, Dom shows up in Buffalo for his first game back. And I don't know if the pressure or like, come on, Dom can handle the pressure, but it was a route. Like it was a 5-1 win where Dom, like literally, and when I say literally, Chris Gratton came in on a two-on-one left-hand shot from the left side of the ice on a two-on-one. When he looked up, Dominic Hasek was diving like a soccer goalie on the pass option. He didn't even fake him. And then he had a wide open net to shoot at. It was like, I'd never seen anything like this. So uh, it was my first and only win against the Detroit Red Wing in my career, Duffer, not just with the Buffalo Sabres in my career, but this is the goal on MSG. I'm showing it actually was kind of a two on O and Dom decided to go with the poke check, cut the pass and <laughs> dive to his left and Gratz had the wide open net to shoot on. Uh, that was bye-bye Dom. In came uh, Manny Legacy and uh, Miro Satan scored. It was it was a party, a party yeah. at the arena. Maybe not as much of a party as Tage Thompson, three gold, three assists last year, but it was a party. You know, it, it's funny how we put things at the feet of goaltenders. Uh, you know it well. <laughs> You've lived that that existence. You were one and one lifetime in your Sabre career against Detroit. But if we're to put into context why the Sabres struggled so badly against Detroit for more than 20 years, all you need to do is look at this. Ryan Miller as a Sabre. Yeah. was two and eight and the great Dominic Hasek was two and seven. Oh. So if your two goalies whose numbers are in the Raptors can't beat Detroit, <laughs> then, then good luck. But I will say this, it did start turning in the Linus Allmark era. Yeah. In fact, Linus is arguably the greatest saber net minder ever against Detroit. He was five Oh and two yeah. with a one ninety four and a nine forty. That's a pretty good sa sample size. Well, if I'm second at a 50% success rate, uh, there's a problem. Um, listen, uh, Linus was great against Detroit. There's a feeling you got against teams, right? And yes. you feel good. Now, we didn't play Detroit a whole lot because they were in the Western Conference. By the time they came over, I was gone from Buffalo. Uh, but I also, I love Joe Louis Arena. I told the Rip Simonic story earlier in the show about how he wasn't there, had to be rushed to the hospital, and we couldn't figure out the skate sharpening machine and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But Joe, Joe Louis Arena was old and the boards were lively and the corners were, were really, really sharp. 
and the doors were tiny, mm-hmm. very tiny doors. And I remember my first time stepping on the ice, like you have to turn sideways as the goalie. Like eh, I, I can't fit through the doors. There's not enough room for the backup goalie on the bench. Remember Pierre Maguire in between the benches? It was like literally two feet wide. Like when he was with NBC, you, you don't have room to stand. Like it was tiny. But the best part, and I love this guy because Marc-Andre Fleury is fantastic. But when in um, in the first Stanley Cup finals that these two teams met in 2008, <laughs> he came out for game one and he tripped in the boards and he, he fell down and Max Talbot almost ran him over. That was the Joe Louis arena in a nutshell. I mean, it took out people trying to get on the ice. It was a challenging series uh, for Mark Andre, and uh, you know he would ultimately get a last laugh a year later uh, in getting his first Cup win with the Penguins. But yes. um, yeah, pretty memorable times. You know what my first um, experience was at the Joe? No. Ninety-seven Stanley Cup final. Oh, okay. Philadelphia and Detroit. Oh boy. Now to say that the network I was working for was operating on a shoestring budget might might be a little harsh, but. <laughs> We were based in Toronto, and the series was Philadelphia-Detroit, right? So we, f- I think we had some airline vouchers, so oh, we, f- we flew to New York, rented a car, drove to Philly, but our feed site, meaning after the post game where you set up and send all your interviews and all, that, that was in New Jersey out of the NFL film. So we had a long haul after each game in Philadelphia, just to go and offload the video content, oh, right? Boy. So we couldn't wait to get back. Anyway, we're two games in, no word of a lie. I've never wanted a sweep in any series more in my life than this. It thing, happened. Right? <laughs> it happened. So we go, we barely get done. We're, then we're off to the airport at New York. We, we So we drive or we fly back to Toronto, immediately rent a car and drive to Detroit. Oh, man. Okay. That's not uncommon. People do it every day. (laughs) But the memory is we lost the keys to the rental car between my videographer and I. So we're coming out of either, I don't know, was a game day morning skate? I'm assuming so. And now we couldn't get into the vehicle. So we had to wait for a locksmith, right? And it was just like, oh, my gosh, is this really happening? So you're in the twilight anyway, zone at that moment, you're, it was, you're yeah. a big time twilight zone. Like what yeah. is going on? But, but you know, honestly, like being, being there, um, the Joe was so loud. It had been so long. I mean, I'd referenced the, the frustrations for the Red Wings in 95 and 96. So when they finally broke through in 97, like, you know, Gordy Howe in the arena, just yeah. everything about it. It was so incredible to witness their breakthrough and here we sit and the sabers are trying to accomplish that same thing right gather as much talent and then just take those last big steps i know they're not similar yet obviously but that's that's what you dream of is those moments where you've had a fan base waiting for so long that it just all comes out the energy i remember i remember quickly we have to uh take a break but i remember 95 i was part of the top prospects for the nhl draft that went to the Stanley Cup Finals in uh, Detroit between mm-hmm. the Devils and the Red Wings. And we went to the morning skate. 
and Scotty Bowman was the coach, did not go on the ice for the morning skate. So we're in the locker room, visiting the wings locker room while they're on the ice. And Scotty gave us a tour. First time I had met Mr. Bowman and uh, took us to like the trainer's room. Guys are getting treatment and we're walking in. They're like, hey, who are these people, right? Like they're going to go out and say my ankle's broken, whatever. Like it was it was pretty spectacular. A great experience again at the NHL Stanley Cup Finals in 95. Birthdays are next here yes. on Sabres Live. Stay with us. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. A hat trick of birthdays to hit on. We love the birthday segment, but we feel shame when we miss the birthday on the actual birthday. So happy belated 60th yesterday to the voice in arena of the Buffalo Bandits. The experience has been created by Chris Swenson over the years, and what a celebration for him yesterday, Marty. Not only the 60th, but he gets to do it with the NLL trophy because the Bandits are, again, champions of the world. Yeah, there is no other NLL team that have the in-house, in-arena entertainment that the Bandits do, and it's because of Swenny. So uh, happy birthday. Hope you had a fantastic one. Hope you drank out of the trophy again and again and again, because I'm sure you did pretty much a lot of that after day one and at the parade and everything. But um, I was I went to a game against the Toronto Rock this year, and people sitting next to me were like, this is awesome. Who's this guy with all the saying? And like the arena experience is is, is really good. Good day to wear an Amerix t-shirt and a Jenny cap. Uh, let's pour a Jenny for uh, Seth Appert, head coach of the Amerix. Happy 49th to Seth. Yeah, Seth uh, still the best looking hair in all of hockey when he doesn't have his hat on. Um, very competitive, uh, fiery type of guy, but a great coach. He will go places. I'm telling you, he's great in Rochester right now, but he'll continue to go. And a goalie, figure it out. Smart hockey people are goalies, so figure it out. Well, goalies are always on the wrong end of an overtime winner. That's all I know. And Yuri Himalev was able to deliver a time or two uh, in his career, specifically, as we discussed recently, against the Boston Bruins in the 1993 series, best known for Mayday. But Yuri was a terrific Sabre, and we say happy birthday to him. Yeah, that was a big goal on John Blue, former Sabre right there, but was in goal for the Boston Bruins in that game. But Yuri Himalev not only was a good uh, player, uh, in his time uh, playing in Russia and then over in North America, Olympics and all, uh, but also was a scout for many years for the Buffalo Sabres. And uh, I remember going to a birthday party, Randy Bird's 30th birthday party when I was there at 18. And uh, Yeri put on a show like he could uh, he could have fun like most of them. <laughs> well, one any lasting memories from our uh, earlier discussion about Detroit or Dallas that you didn't get to? Or would you uh, want to sign off with something else? Uh, no, I, I listen. Um, I know that the lasting memory of Dallas is probably painful, being that the Brett Hall foot in the crease uh, goal. But uh, hey, it builds character, and when the cup comes, it will be even more sweet, uh, and we'll be able to bury all of that. So yes, let's go get them this year. Um, and yeah, let's uh, put that that memory away. If we're going alphabetical, you want to guess that Edmonton's on the docket tomorrow? Uh, I would assume so. And I don't have a lot of good things about Edmonton either. Darren Poopa had a memorable night there. We'll talk yes. about it tomorrow. See you then. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. 
news. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.